At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Australian surf photographer Russell Ord. Russell takes incredible photographs out in the ocean, and he also has his own foundation for which he mentors young children and inspires them to take photographs of their own. We talk about all of these things and more in this interview. Make sure to listen to everything because this is a very inspiring conversation. Hi, Russell. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thanks for having me, Ty. Yeah, I'm Russell Lord. I'm a professional photographer based in Margaret River, which is located on the southwest corner of West Australia and probably about as far as you can get from you at the moment that you, you can in the world, I'd say. Be a long plane trip, that's for sure. That's true, yes. I'm a big fan of your work and I'm happy that we're finally speaking. I think that your work is unique and you are somebody who really respects the ethics of photography. So I look forward to getting into that later in this interview. But before we get into all of that, let's talk about gear. What camera equipment do you use? Camera equipment at the moment, I'm using the Fuji system. So for like the high end um, artworks and larger prints, I shoot with the GFX so I can get a lot of detail printing wise. But if I'm shooting like action sports, surfing, I tend to use the X-Series and at this stage it's the, the X-H2. That sounds great. And I'd love to know more about your shooting process because it's something that a lot of photographers are not familiar with. They can't even comprehend, I think, what it's like to surf and to take photos at the same time. I think it involves a very high amount of concentration, skill and creativity. So please walk me through your photo shoots. Yeah, it's for like a surf and ocean photography, it, I've always said the, the camera is probably the easiest part to learn, like especially these days being digital, you can get instant feedback, but it's the ocean itself that takes the, you know, the most amount of experience and, and years in the water to get used to because 
that's what you're fighting. You're basically fighting the elements. And I actually don't know a surf photographer that shoots from the water that wasn't a surfer themselves in some way, like a bodyboarder or a surfer. And then when you're pushing those type of boundaries, you just got to be super calm in that type of environment because, as you know, if you're getting wiped out or getting bashed by waves, you need to keep super calm under pressure because you end up in a world without oxygen or without air so yeah that that's the process so it's just like getting used to the ocean firstly and then the the camera gear is well and truly second behind that definitely and yes safety first and of course you need to have those skills out in the ocean you need to be able to surf properly in order to take good photographs definitely photography is not the priority in a situation like that and I love that. I love that you prioritize your safety and it's not about the photo. It's about how you feel and how safe you and the subject are during the shoot. Yeah, you'll, you want to push your boundaries in the surf and, and see what you can accomplish. But it's also not jumping, taking just baby steps because the ocean's always going to win. You know, you, you need to be able to rescue yourself if you if you get in trouble. So anyone that's taking up surf photography, I wouldn't be jumping in at like a, a massive swell or a, a huge ocean if you're not used to it. I'd just be, yeah, it's just like surfing itself. You start small. You, as a kid, you'd, get, you'd be taken off on the whitewash and stuff like that and start at your local beach that's tiny and then build yourself up. So, you know, occasionally I do see people jumping too many uh, too many strides forward and, and getting themselves in trouble. Yeah, definitely. That's very good advice. Definitely something to avoid, especially if you're a beginner. In your interview with Daily Salt, you said that the feeling of not having any security after leaving your job as a firefighter was the hardest to overcome. What advice would you give to photographers who are going through the same thing right now? Yeah, that's a tough one because, like, I sort of just – I quit for a, a number of reasons, the fire brigade, and, and one was because I'm around death so much, I can – I did witness how quick life can end and I just wanted to, you know, give photography 100%. But I don't know if I'd, I'd do the same thing. I mean, I did have an apprenticeship, like, with photography. I was doing the fire brigade and photography at the same time and that was a, a good balance because I didn't get – you didn't have to rely on the photography all the time. Like, that's probably some of the things that – I found the most difficult being a professional photographer, like full time. Like you just don't know where the money's coming from, and and you can kind of get down on photography in a way. And I've seen that happen to a lot of photographers, and I've probably experienced it myself at times. I would just say, you know, think about what you're going to do and, and take it slow. You know, if you've got a part time job, just think as that that part time job is something helping fund your full time photography career in the future. So especially uh, for me, I have a wife and three kids, so I've got a lot of people relying on me to bring in an income. So, But, yeah, I would just – it's a hard one. I really want people to go for it for their dream, but also I want them to think about some of the steps they take to achieving that. Yes, I think being realistic is just as important as following your dreams. And if you can find some kind of balance between both, then you might be able to – live a life that feels that is authentic to you you just said that you were surrounded by death a lot in your last job how did you feel back then just personally and how much more different do you feel now as a photographer 
Well, back then, I probably went to a, a lot of car accidents, house fires and, and suicides and probably didn't take too much notice of what was going on around me. It wasn't until I went to a certain accident and I don't know if it was a build-up of all those overtime, but I just I was doing my job and then time just stood still for me and I just started to reflect on my own life thinking just how quick it could end and so I wanted to really put a lot of focus in things that I hadn't achieved through my photography and and that meant giving up the fire brigade and a lot of and and the security of a of the fire brigade wage but I also had to make a lot of sacrifices at home you know you, you you've got a secure job you can get loans you can you can you know you can buy a house and all that sort of stuff but you know, when you put all your eggs in one basket, especially as a photographer and yourself employed, things can, could be difficult. I don't know if I'd ever change it. I, I think I made the right steps because I was young enough to do it. At the time, I got in the fire brigade when I was 20 and I'd already done 20 years. And during those 20 years, 15 of those years were um, doing photography as well. So there, it was. It, it sounds like I just got up and quit, but it was definitely a, a super slow process. And I think, yeah, just like like I said, being around death and, and witnessing how quick it all end just sort of sped up the, the process at the end. Definitely. And I'm very happy that you took that leap. I think it was very important for you. And it's great that you had that opportunity to, to kind of think about your life and all of your passions. I think a lot of people in general experience this when they're faced with maybe a traumatic event or just something that changes their lives very quickly they're forced to think about their lives in a different way. And so it's great that you were able to have that experience. So what is something that you wish everyone knew about sword photography? Oh, it's it's a tough one. It's like just how difficult it is to, to get certain shots. That's like all types of photography. When I look at surf photography and how people have taken certain shots, I know the effort that's gone into the actual being in that right moment. It'd be like looking at a climbing photography or, of a, a you know, like a mountain climbing photo. You just imagine how much effort that photographer went into being able to be in that position. Like it must take several years of climbing experiences to be able to climb the mountain, sleep overnight to get the, the sun coming up behind the climber. And people kind of take that for granted. So when I see like certain shots, especially surf photography, I just know the effort that's gone into it and, and the experience behind the image. I remember reading an interview from you where you mentioned something similar and you said that the amount of effort that is put into a photograph is way more important than just taking an easy photo that looks good. And I think that's definitely something that I also value in photography and a lot of people value and I think it's important to understand your craft and invest time in it and not just prioritize taking good photos as quickly or as easily as possible. Is there a specific photo shoot which required more effort than usual for you? And what was that like? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of when I decided to push my boundaries in the surf, could just go a little bit, trying to shoot this um, wave in particular from the water called the right. So that was definitely the one that was the most difficult shot I've ever had attempted or tried to get just because normally it's what's called a toe wave. So you, 
these guys use jet skis because the wave's so big that they need jet skis to get into it, and it's like a slab. So it's, it's there's a lot of energy. It's massive, and it's just not renowned for having a photographer swim in the impact zone. So that one took the most effort, and it took like two years of getting a, a certain shot that was in my head just because – I, I had to retrain myself. I was doing breath hold courses. I was do, learning how to um, swim better. So much stuff went into it to be able to get the shot. It just doesn't happen every day. You just can't practice that stuff every day. Like there's a certain amount of swells per year at this spot, and it might only be three or four. And then when you get there, it might be grey and gloomy. It, it feels a little sharky, and you don't swim. So it might you might be like one or two attempts a year. It, it's not like other forms of photography where you can you can just practice every day. It's just a it's it's just nature. It's just it's just part of the you know the ocean. It's just a beast. So it's um, yeah that that took a lot of effort. When I did get that shot, I remember being pretty you know, pretty happy with myself, but it, it just didn't really last that long. I, did, I was happy for about 15 or 20 minutes and it wasn't until I reflected on the, the whole journey that um, that shot meant so much more to me. Definitely, yeah. It's the story behind the photograph that really matters. And then once you look at the photo, you can appreciate it way more because you know exactly how much effort you put into it. Yeah, well and truly. It's... Uh, I mean, that, that shot in particular got a couple of surfing magazine covers, which you'd think would pay a lot of money, but it doesn't. But even if no one ever saw that image and I just had it printed up and it's sitting in my office, I can kind of reflect on, yeah, the effort behind the behind the image. I think that's what makes photography so special because, as you just mentioned, if you get featured on a cover or in a magazine or a book cover or whatever, it may not pay as much as you'd like it to, but... I think ultimately, if you can connect with that photograph and if you can out of your achievements, then that is good enough, just in terms of your relationship with photography. And for me, I've mentioned yeah. this times on the podcast, but if I take a photograph that looks technically good, but I don't really connect with it emotionally, I'm not proud of it and I don't want to share it online, even if I know that it'll get a certain amount of attention. It just It's very difficult to connect with your work if you don't enjoy your photo shoots. So I'm happy to know that you... I've had the opportunity to take many photographs that you genuinely connect with and that you genuinely appreciate. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, well put. Earlier you mentioned breath hold courses. If somebody is interested in starting out in surf photography and they're learning how to surf, is there any other kind of preparation you would recommend for them to look into? Yeah, I, I recommend it for everyone. It's it's like if you're going in the ocean, you want to be able to keep calm. When you're keeping calm, you think better. And that breath hold journey, if you're getting dumped by a wave, is just so much easier if you relax with it. I mean, people have some bad experiences during their time in the ocean. That can be they've been dumped or they've been held down for two waves, their leg rope gets caught around rocks, and, and that negative feelings of the ocean makes them panic when they're, when they're underwater. I would just, yeah, really look at what, Big wave surfers have been doing it for years because they need to get used to it. They're, they're going to find themselves in bad situations. But it's just how quick you can go from sort of what we call redlining, just like on a – your heart rate goes up. It's how quick you can get that back, keeping calm. So once you do go through the wipeout, it's a pleasant journey instead of 
like a, oh, it's an old shit moment. I'm going to run out of air. I need to get to the top because the more you panic, the more you fear, the more energy you use, the, it's just so difficult underwater. So, yeah, you see big wave surfers are, are just experts at it and I just think anyone that goes into the ocean just needs to, once they're under the water, just need to go into like a meditation state. I think that's incredibly helpful in your life in general, right? I'm sure that you're a very calm and collected person in your personal life as well because of your experiences as a firefighter and as a surf photographer. Yeah, well, I, I would have loved to learn these, these breathing methods um, when I was a kid or when I was playing football or as a firefighter, but I, it was only until I started pushing my own boundaries in the surf that there, it was like a whole new world was open to me. So, yeah, it, it helps with breathing changes the way you feel. It's It's that easy, like... If you're concentrating on your breath, slow breathing, nasal breathing in, doubling the exhale, like just relaxing with your breath, you can't really be focused on anything else. I mean, you can go between two really quick, but it's just like I work with um, a few kids and I, I give them a few techniques and I'm like, oh, you know, you can't do this at the same time. You can't be angry. I mean, these kids are only 10 or 11 and you can't concentrate on your breathing. And they, they try to they try to do it at the same time, but they can't. They go between between the both and they finally they finally learn how to relax. And yeah, it, it's good for anything you do. If you're speaking engagements, any any situation where you you come under a little bit of stress, if you concentrate on your breathing, you can definitely uh, change the way you feel. That's amazing. That's a very important life skill to have. Well and truly. When you are taking photographs in a big wave, let's say, how long does that last? How long does the shooting process last? The shooting process? Oh, can, I'm always pretty conscious if it's um, big on my energy levels because you need to be able to make it back to shore or you need to be able to swim stronger. So if it, it can last anywhere between two hours to four hours to six hours, depending on the currents and and just how fit I am at the time. Like you see some people, they can swim for eight hours, but it just depends on the ocean itself. You know, you can have swim for an hour in certain places. It's such a difficult swim because you're constantly kicking or duck diving under waves or, or fighting currents. And then other times you can just be in a beautiful channel it's not the water's not moving that much and you can just fire away so yeah it just it, the ocean uh, dictates the time in the end but you've really got to um, manage your energy levels just because so, you know you need to have enough gas in the tank to be able to get back to shore safely <laughs> yeah that makes sense but that's so exciting of course you have to be prepared and you have to take good care of yourself first and foremost in order to be safe but i think the unpredictability of everything can make it even more exciting because you don't know how the photos will turn out. You don't know when you'll get the next opportunity to take a good shot. So I think that whole process is an adventure of its own. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and uh, sometimes you're working with athletes and they want you to capture their their moments. So you, you basically need to swim about as much time as the athlete or the surfers prepared to surf. You know, most of the time, like professional surfers, they're quite – They'll, they'll surf for maybe one hour. They're kind of the same. They'll, they'll go, they refuel, and then they'll go again. The moments in surf, they can go pretty quick. So 
occasionally they'll they'll spend four hours in the water because they think the conditions are going to change. So it's so up in the air how long you spend in the water. And in terms of technical camera settings, do you shoot using continuous shooting mode or do you just use your intuition and trust that you'll take a photo at the right time? Well, it just depends what lens. So I always shoot everything on manual. And if it's a longer lens, I'll, I'll definitely have autofocus. But all the other settings are manual. And if I'm shooting with a wide angle, I'll pre-focus because you don't have to look through the, the viewfinder. And um, I'll have all manual settings, but I'll also have like manual focus as well because I've pre-focused the, the camera because I've got enough to think about without having to try to try to focus the camera when shooting wide. But that's the thing, like you, you can't actually look through the viewfinder when you're shooting super wide and you're in the barrel with the surfer because you've got to concentrate on swimming through the wave, the surfer itself, breath holds too much and if you put the camera up to your your face or you try to look through the viewfinder with a wide angle lens you're just going to go straight over the falls or you're going to go over with the wave because you need you need your arms to actually grab some water to pull yourself through it's hard to explain but you definitely get used to it but with a longer lens you can sit back a, a little and and get away from the surfer you'll be able to look through the viewfinder and, and use the autofocus. And I hear a lot of people go certain camera brands focuses are better than others. And I'm sure they are, but if you, this day and age, all the top camera brands, if you can't get a photo with their autofocus, you, you might have to give it away because they're all pretty good. They're all pretty quick. That makes sense. Yeah. Surf photography comes with its own technical requirements. It's fascinating. I mean, like, I don't know how to surf. So for me, this is a completely different universe and it's absolutely fascinating. So thank you for sharing all of this. No worries. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Horton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did, and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Earlier, you mentioned that you work with kids sometimes, and you and your wife, Catherine, you provide training in photography to young people who don't usually have access to such resources, which I think is very inspiring and impressive. What has the teaching experience been like for you? I wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid, but I only wanted to do teach phys ed, physical education. And then when I found out I had to teach science and math, so I, I moved on to something else. I just didn't think I'd be clever enough. But if I just had to do phys ed, I probably would have become a teacher. But the teaching process, I'm, I'm just learning on the go. Like I'm definitely not a teacher. I'm more like a mentor to the kids. And I probably learn more from them than they do from me. But the, just the process itself with the kids has been amazing because this all started with a friend of mine started a music foundation 
about seven or eight years ago. He asked if I could come up to the country and, and document the process, and which I did. And then I found myself teaching the kids that weren't into it, into the sport or into the music. You know, there's always a couple of stragglers, I call them stragglers, that, you know, they're quiet or they just didn't fit in. And I would just take them under my wing and start teaching them photography. And, and that's kind of – I did that for a number of years. And then about last year he turned around and said to me, there's something really in this with with the kids, and I could feel it as well when I when I was um, with them, and we made the the Desert Light Foundation, and so I'm in about four or five schools, mentor a couple of kids at each school, and each school uses it differently. Sometimes I'll I'll get the kid that the teachers are finding quite difficult to deal with because you know they've got 30 kids in their class or whatever they have. And having one disrupt everyone is quite difficult. And then, and other schools will just use me as a reward and um, take the kids that deserve to, you know, have a little bit of time off and do photography. But I I'm, I'm think I'm learning more from them. They're, they're pretty classic. That's incredible and so gratifying for you and your wife as well, I'm sure, because you get to meet these people, these children who are curious and you get the, you give them the opportunity to feel that inspiration. I think that's so important to feel at a young age, especially. I got into photography when I was 12 and I'm really happy that I did because I was at an age where I wasn't overthinking that much and I really enjoyed the process of being creative. And I think those children also feel the same way. So it's, it's wonderful that you're doing this. It's definitely uh, personally rewarding. Like I can go and do a surf shoot still or go and do a commercial shoot and you know, it's just another photo to me. I, I don't really get that excited about it. But if I go and spend a day with the kids, you know, on the way home, I'm ringing my wife or I'm, you know, and just talking about the whole day. And it's mainly about, obviously, what the kids have done and, and what type of work they've shot. But it's, it's yeah, it's certainly personally rewarding. Of course, yeah, definitely. When we were talking about your beginnings as a photographer, you said that it was difficult to become a full-time photographer or a photographer because there, you don't have that security and every day is different because you're not sure where your source of income will be on that specific day. What advice would you give to photographers who are just starting out and want to market themselves? How can they approach this in a way that won't leave them feeling panicked all the time? Yeah, it's really difficult. Like, um, my son, I'll, I'll probably just do the same advice I gave to my son. Like, he um, is heavily into video and he's been working as a videographer for a couple of years. He's uh, just he's about to turn 21. And when he was 18, he was, I mean, he'd already done a, a lot of filming. He's a skateboarder and he's used to film skateboarding because skateboarders are actually quite creative themselves. You know, they're always painting on their boards. They're, they're like little artists, some of them. And and so I just said to him, like, he was going to go to uni and do videography. And I, in the end, he went up, met some crew, and it just didn't feel right. And I said, look, just reach out to some people that you'd, you'd love to hold their bags for, see if you can learn from them and learn the tricks of the trade and, and get a couple of mentors in the, in that video trade. And so he basically moved up to Fremantle, which is about three hours north of where we live, did exactly that, went and made coffees for crew, talked about editing with other people, and it just took off for him. And But you, you have to do the hard yards for sure. 
I don't know if that answered your question in the end. I just I just thought it was pretty inspirational how he um, followed his dream like that. It's kind of how um, I got going myself. But, yeah, I just – I reached out to a couple of people and started doing photography with them and, and helping them and you just gradually – grow and if you've got a good mentor they want to see you progress and and go off on your own in the end anyway i think that's great advice and i'm really happy that your son has found his own success in, in his industry and it's definitely true having the right connections is important having genuine connections and connecting with people that who, whom you admire and who can also mentor you is incredibly important and you know networking it's all about networking i think yeah well and truly i mean it's I find a lot of people as they getting like we're talking about we're going to talk about ethics of photography like they're getting into photography but what they're doing is they you know they'll they'll go and shoot for free but that what happens is they create a standard I mean if you want to work for free go and work for a non for profit and go and help them out because that's great like I do that myself like I'll do stuff for Surfaid or I'll do stuff for uh, non-for-profits and um, it's super rewarding being able to give you images out for free but if you're going to work for like a company or a brand and you're giving those imageries for free for them to advertise so they can make more money then they can showcase your work on their social media all you're doing is creating a, a standard that no one can actually live to and you, you know you've got to value your work so it's it, it's a it's a difficult one. It's really difficult to get going. But if you, as a photographer, if you're you go out and you you're meeting people, it's just so much better because you everyone's competing on social media and everyone can look good. Whereas if you just go out and do the work for crew, you, you you're getting these personal relationships and then they get you back and you're slowly building your client base. I mean, I did that when I went to New Zealand, like we packed up and, and left here for a couple of years and um, I, I didn't know anyone and I just went around and I had a couple of methods on how to meet people and introduce myself and and make personal connections because I knew I, I wouldn't be able to make personal connections on Instagram and or, or social media and, and that's not going to make me money. So instead of sitting on there, I just, I just went out and, and shot story-based imagery and from that created a, a, a small little clientele and basically went around New Zealand for two years doing it. It was, it was great. That's really amazing. And it's so good that you found these opportunities and that you put yourself out there. I think that can be very scary networking in person, but it's very rewarding. Social media definitely has its perks, but as you said, it's very competitive and everybody can look a certain way. But if you put yourself out there in real life and you meet people at events and in other places, then you can show your actual real self and you can leave a very strong impression. And that can lead to job opportunities or good friendships at the very least. So that's wonderful advice. For sure. You talked a little bit about the ethics of photography and how some people really lower the standards. And I think that's definitely an important topic to discuss. But what other values should photographers have if they want to be ethical in photography? Well, the eth ethics in photography, especially when um, in the surf-related world, is like when I first started is you just wouldn't go, you wouldn't go down the beach and start shooting anyone and then giving your imagery to the magazines or undercutting that photographer. 
because that photographer's worked hard to be in the position they were, the surfers trust their work, and even though you are out in a public place, you know, and this is not a comp, like this is like you're in a, on a remote beach, you wouldn't just walk down there and shoot it. And so you, you'd have like, that's what I mean about, about ethics. And and if you, you happen to be at a certain place with another group of surfers, it's nice to talk to the photographer, make sure, you know, you're not stepping on their toes or getting in the way. And, and I used to love that about surf photography. And I mean, I just started shooting my local board riders and, and building up to having crew that would want to work for me. But that's all changed now. It's just like, it just feels like it's a free for all the surf side of things. Um, certain locations, yeah, every man, his dog is there to shoot it. But when, when you're going out of your way and working with clients and, and surfers, on remote beaches and you're having a photographer roll up and, and shoot from the beach and then publicise it everywhere on social media or give it to magazines. I, yeah, it just didn't really sit well with me and, you know, it forced my hand into other forms of photography in the end. But you just got to know how to value your work as well. A lot of time goes into it, a lot of money goes into gear. Occasionally I'll see a, a photographer, you know, they have their stuff stolen and they're trying to do some sort of trying to get money to buy new gear with people helping them out. Yet, on the other hand, they haven't been charging and they've been giving their stuff away for free. You've got to really know the value of your work because, you know, you've got insurances, you've got equipment, you've got petrol, you've got if – you, if you really – I don't know, it would be pretty scary to have a look at all the expenses and, and how much goes into it in time. Your hourly rate might not be that good. If it feels sort of wrong, it probably is. Um, that's how I. That's what I say to my kids. Like, if something comes up and it sort of doesn't feel right, just go with your instincts because it probably isn't. So that's probably the easiest advice. Definitely, if you have to trust your gut, because as you said, if you're in a situation where you feel wronged or if you feel that you're not getting paid enough, then you're not going to feel good about yourself. You're going to feel resentful. And that's just not a good way to feel, especially if you're pursuing something that you really love and you don't want to feel discouraged. So it's important to set boundaries and to also be very clear about your rates and to be happy with the rates that you're setting. So it's difficult. I mean, as creative people, I think it's very easy to just focus on the artistic side of things. You want to enjoy the photo shoots. You want to provide your clients with an amazing experience. But at the same time, you really have to value yourself, as you said. And it's something, I think it's another skill that just needs to be strengthened with time. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, you got to, as a, I mean, when you're running your own business, you've got to be your accountant, you've got to be the marketing agent, you've got to be, you've got to be everything. And photography is the same thing. I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough to have my wife that has come on board and she pretty much does all the business side of things and it just allows me to shoot so but I don't get bogged down in all that sort of stuff that can have a negative effect on actually shooting itself like when you're shooting all day and you've got to come home and you've got to do the books and then you've got to market and then oh god I've got to do social media because I've got to keep up with the Joneses I can imagine you can get, get bogged down pretty quick and the enjoyment of photography will pass pretty quick. Absolutely it's important to delegate tasks whenever possible, and if you have a partner who can help you out, that's even better. In some yes. of the interviews, 
I noticed that you mentioned the same thing over and over again, and I understand that it's something that you really value, and that is that the best thing about photography is meeting incredible people. Who's the first person that comes to mind when you think of incredible people that you've met? Oh, it's a tough one. I meet so many, so many crew. I love people's stories. So, I mean, I've just done a I, the the last trip I did up north for the foundation with the kids. I the school wanted me to shoot what's called a jumba. It was a, it's which is a a celebration, and they had a it's called a gija language dictionary come out. So it was an indigenous crew from up north and. So I took my son up there and we, we videoed that for them and, and had a couple of, couple of the kids from the school help us out. And it was so amazing. And just that was the first time that the elders in that community sort of embraced us and we got to listen to some of their stories. And um, they were happy to do that on camera as well. So I was, was so privileged to be able to hear that and um and see their point of view on a few things so that was amazing and to share that with my son it's the first time he'd he'd been up on the, the in that community he was just blown away and and all those kids that from the school were amazing but it's just endless like you just you just everywhere you go i said to myself at the start even when on surf trips is like one once there's no surf or just go inland or, or get away from it and, and don't get so caught up in the whole surf scene and, and just go and meet crew because there's so much to see and do and you just got to be willing to do it. So it's, um, yeah, I've met that many crew, endless really, artists, musicians. Yeah, everyone's everyone's got a story if you're willing to listen to it, everyone. That's true. And asking the right questions is very important. And just being genuinely interested, I think that can help you form really strong connections with people. They really appreciate it when you care about them and their lives. And it's always interesting to find out how other people live because everyone is truly unique. And it can also inspire you as a photographer. Yeah, and the, and the camera is pretty easy. It's, it's kind of like an easy conversation starter, the camera. When you got a camera, like it, it could be anything. Or oh, what are you doing? Or what are you shooting? Or and then you just you start talking, and then you just you just push it towards them on, and you can find out so much about them. And all of a sudden, you you've got this good rapport, and um, they don't mind even if you get a couple of portraits now and then. Yeah. So the camera is not just a tool for taking photos; it's also good for your social skills. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember when I, I, I first started taking photos of people and I found it quite difficult, like the communication and because everything was sort of new. It was one of the skills I had to really get uh, better at. And all I did was, and it, this is not my idea, I think I read it somewhere where someone else has done this, and for about three months every day I had to talk to a stranger like if I went to the shops or I went somewhere, I had to figure out how to chat to a stranger and, and that helped. This was without the camera. So anywhere I went for three months, one person a day, you got to talk to them. And you, and then I, I found this is actually quite good. If you, Like you said, if you listen to them and you listen to their story, it's, it's amazing what you can find out. That's so fun. So scary, but so fun because you can make new friends and – Definitely other people's stories can affect us and they can make a positive impact in our lives. Just maybe finding out how somebody overcame a struggle or 
seeing how somebody lives their life, their habits or their lifestyle in general, all of that can affect us. And then our story in turn can also hopefully positively affect them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great way to do it. You mentioned that you've taken photographs of people. Are there any other genres that you'd like to experiment with? I've just set up a studio in the in the gallery at the back and there's a lot of lights there and I've and I've been playing around with settings and stuff. It's, it's quite technical. It's more technical than the surf side of things. So I'd love to do a little bit of studio photography and, and get better skills with my um, artificial lighting and, and stuff like that. But I'd probably just keep it to like more like capturing uh, like dive photography, but on, a, on a one breath, like free diving photography underneath the surface. I think that would be good. I've got a few shots. But I'd like to um, – it would be amazing to get a couple of underwater imagery on, on one breath of, like, manta rays or whales. And I just haven't travelled to those sort of locations. Every time I travel to the ocean, it's to, to shoot above the surface with with the waves and, and large swells. So I need to start travelling to tranquil oceans and start shooting um, turtles and manta rays and stuff. I, I just think it would be – apart from – from the photography, it'll just feel good, you know, being in the water, doing breath holds, training, relaxing, trying to find different different angles and, and doing it all on one breath. But it'd be nice. Be, it'd be pretty difficult, but good. Pre-dying photography, that's on a completely different level. And I think the dynamic is definitely different there. The approach is different. So I can see why that would be relaxing and refreshing and spending time out in nature underwater seeing those amazing creatures i think yeah that's all inspiring yeah having interactions with the sea animals would be it'd be amazing because the i mean we do this uh training for breath holds we just call it rock running so it's hard to imagine but you you go we've got this lagoon and we've got all these rocks someone goes down grabs a rock runs along the bottom and i remember one day um i was i was training i dropped the rock it was in the it wasn't even close to any other reef or anything like that. It was in the middle of the sand. I was doing all my, my breath work, and as I was about to go back down and pick it up, there was an octopus just covering the whole thing. I don't know where it came from, and it was just like, no, nah, this is my rock now, and you can't touch it. So it was pretty – like I was like, why haven't I got my camera right now? This is such a classic shot. And I was just thinking, yeah, just, just trying to capture those moments would be so good. That's so cool. The octopus had an attitude. Oh, it certainly did. It wasn't giving. I, I wasn't going about to give it a poke and see if it was going to give it a move. I just set off. If it wants to rock that bad, it can have it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that. Speaking of shooting underwater and just in surf photography in general, you need housing equipment. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah, yeah. So I have pretty much any of the top end cameras, like from Fuji to, you know, Nikon, Canon, Sony, probably missed a couple of brands. Their top models, like Aquatech, the company I use, they make waterproof housings for the camera. So basically any functions your camera has, the housing can do. You might need to customise the buttons a little bit, but other than that, you can you can do anything you can do above water, I mean, on the surface or on land in the housings. And how difficult is it to use? Because I've heard, I mean, this was a few years ago, so it's probably much more advanced now, but I've heard that it's difficult to press the shutter, for example, if you're shooting underwater. How is the equipment now? 
The shutters are good. Like I've never really had problems for years, for 20 years with the shutters. They, but I mean, I can see how they could be difficult uh, years ago with the mechanical shutter when it was on the top. If you're holding the camera and trying to press the shutter, you need decent sized hands back then. So I did hear that complaint a bit, but I'm, I'm my fingers are actually quite long, so I never had that problem. But now the system is is electronic, so it's it's quite easy. It's on the, like it's basically just feel it's like a pistol grip, but it, it feels like the camera trigger itself. It'll, it can do the two stages of like focus and and shooting. So yeah, there's no problem at all. Anyone can do it. I mean we've run workshops for girls and and smaller people, and and the new pistol grip's really really quite good. I mean, they they evolve just like all the cameras cameras do. That's good to know. It sounds so exciting. I would love to try that one day. Yeah, you'd love it. I mean, you've got much um, clear water there, like even inland, super clear water. Yeah, no. <laughs> I should go to Australia one day and try shooting there. <laughs> oh, the clearest water, like like the Pacific Islands has got beautiful clear water for that in the ocean. I'm just thinking maybe some um, rivers that are clear or something like that. You can you can get some different sort of looks with the, the housing. It sort of opens up a whole new world. Yeah, yeah, shooting in rivers could be an option, definitely. We don't have much wildlife underwater, but still it would be nice to see the world from that perspective, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Maybe like a split. You know what a split is? Like half underwater and half above. I love those shots. You know, if you've got mountains and there's a stream, you can and it I mean, or a clear lagoon or a, a river that's just super calm, a lake that's really clear with mountains in the background. If you're shooting under and above, so you've got the mountains and the water, that looks pretty special. There's some there's some beautiful shots like that. Yeah, I've seen some split photos like that. I didn't know that they were called that way, but it makes sense. But yeah, so underwater, there's beautiful exotic fish. And then above the land, there's mountains or maybe a house or something. It's just, yeah, it's, it's an incredible perspective. Yeah. Very unique, yeah. There's probably there's probably a technical term for it, but I just call them split shots. That makes sense. Split shots. I like that. <laughs> we'll so, go with it. Yeah. I'm sure that a lot of people are curious um, if they haven't seen your work already. They want to see more of your images. So how can people find you online? They can just go onto my website, which is just russellordphoto.com. They can find me at russellordphoto on Instagram and there's links there. So if they hear this interview and they, they reach out on Instagram, I, I basically will answer everyone on my Instagram, no problem. Awesome. I'll leave all the links to your social media on in the description and i have one more question for you russell and that is what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world i'd probably like to see one of the kids i work with in the foundation have their own exhibition in the future or or win a major photographic award we had a little um win a couple of weeks ago one of the students she's 11 won a local photo competition and she won a little bit of money for the school and she won some money for herself as well, which is quite amazing. She she doesn't come from too much, so it was so good for her to win a bit of money. Her mum was going to open her first bank account and put that money away for her for a later date. And um, so that's pretty amazing. And that's when I thought, how good would it be if 
one of these kids went on to have their own exhibition or become an incredibly talented photographer for or anything in that matter, like could become a doctor or whatever it is. Yeah, I'd love to see one of the students out of the that we've mentored through the foundation have their have a massive exhibition at a mate in New York or something. That'd be pretty good. And then I could say, oh, I taught that I taught that kid once years ago, and um, and look at him now. Yeah, you can take credit for all their success. But no, it's, <laughs> no, it's, just, it's when, especially yeah. such a young age, when you're exposed to knowledge and mentorship and support, as you get older, that is that core memory that you're going to look back on because that's where it all started. And so I think it's so amazing that you're helping these children and you're giving them opportunities to thrive, especially if they come from backgrounds in which they can't make a lot of money or their parents are struggling. It's so inspiring to hear about this. So I want to thank you for sharing your knowledge with them and for being so open as a photographer and as a person as well. I had a lot of fun speaking with you and I look forward to seeing more of your work in the future. No, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. This was very enjoyable for me and I hope that it was for you as well. I hope that Russell's story inspires you to pursue your dreams, but to also be realistic and to set boundaries and to not lower your standards. Once again, thank you for listening. Make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. I'll see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.